That chat is brought to you by Walters. Make Walters your pregame stop before this Saturday night's D.C. United match at Audi Field. Register at waltersdc.com slash events and receive a free old-time logger for doing so. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swing and a long drive, deep left field. If it's fair, it's gone. Way back down the line, and it is gone. Goodbye. A tremendous home run for Riley Adams. A three-run blast here in the top of the second inning. Swing and it's golfed in the air to right center field. Long chase for Slater on the go. Way back there. He dives. He can't get it. It's by him and rolling to the wall. This will clear the bases. Smith has scored. Garrett will score. Vargas to third. A head first dive with a triple. Another four-run inning for the Nationals. They're second in the first three innings. Becks 0-1 to Thomas. It's hit in the air down the left field line toward the corner. Way back it goes. This has got a chance. It is back there, and it's gone. Halfway up the bleachers and straightaway left. A home run for Lane Thomas, his fourth of the season. Makes it 10-1 Nationals. They hit double digits as Thomas has flexed his muscles on this road trip. And welcome to Nats Chat for Thursday, May 11th. 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Oracle Park in San Francisco. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. So Thursday marks the Nats' first scheduled off day since April 24th. Make no mistake, the Nats have earned this off day. They on Wednesday won for a seventh time in 11 games, improved to 12 and 10 since the 4 and 11 start, an 11-6 win at the San Francisco Giants to take the series two games to one. Josiah Gray was terrific. The Nats numbers seven, eight, and nine batters. Stone Garrett, Ildemaro Vargas, and Riley Adams, a combined six for 13 with a walk, eight RBI, and four runs. Nats wrapped up a three and three trip out west. You know, last season, the Nats did not get their 16th win until game number 46. This season, the Nats have their 16th win by game 37. Mark, we call that improvement. Dare I say, Al, this team is playing good baseball and is doing it over a prolonged stretch right now, the kind of stretch that we really didn't see at all last season. Now, they're not perfect. (laughs) They're not suddenly looking like a contending team, but they are pretty consistently playing good competitive baseball. They're playing very well on the road. And oh, by the way, they're starting to hit a little bit too. This was a good road trip for them offensively. And I mean, let me give you a couple of numbers here. 
I know batting average isn't everything, but Lane Thomas, 281. Joey Manessas, 288. Dominic Smith, 270. Stone Garrett, 288. Ildemaro Vargas, 292. That's some progress for a team that not that long ago, all these numbers were in the 220s, 230s. They are starting to hit to some extent, and that was kind of the missing ingredient for them through the first month of the season. Long way to go, but I kind of like what I'm seeing from these guys. And is it possible that this is going to be a big weekend series against the Mets, who, as we tape this, are only a game and a half ahead of the Nationals? They're still playing. We don't know how that's going to turn out. By the time you listen to this, you'll know. But is that crazy talk to say this is a big weekend four-game series with the New York Mets? I don't think so. And, you know, what would be so beautiful would be to see the Nats say, take three out of four from the Mets and see what the reaction in New York City might be to the Nationals taking, say, three out of four from the Mets. Yeah, this next Nats series, the oh so rare four game series that goes from a Friday through a Monday. You don't often see that, but you do have that coming up here with the Nats. Well, as has been the case previously, when a Josiah Gray or Mackenzie Gore pitches, it's rather hard for whatever he does to not be the lead topic on the Nats Chat podcast. We like to take a bigger picture view on things while also enjoying and recognizing what's taking place in the short term here. So as great as the Nats offense was on Wednesday, and the offense was great, and trust me, we will be getting to that. I think the headline item is Josiah Gray, and he was really good once again. This is becoming a routine thing. This is becoming a regular thing. And that is a beautiful thing. Josiah Gray on Wednesday was good for a sixth time in seven starts. He allowed two runs in seven innings. Yes, he pitched seven innings, gave up just five hits, two doubles, and three singles. He did issue four walks. He did only have three strikeouts. He wasn't dominant, but he sure was effective. 93 pitches, 57 strikes versus 36 balls. Remember, he was coming off a game in which he wasn't necessarily all that good. He wasn't awful, but three runs in five innings in that 3-1 loss at the Arizona Diamondbacks this past Friday night. To whatever extent this was a bounce-back game, Josiah Gray bounced back on Wednesday. Yeah, and the biggest thing there was, like you said, going the seven innings. That was so important for him. It's only the second time in his career that he's done that. He did it once last June in Texas. And this, I think, is a big step for him. And he's starting to think more in those terms about going deeper in games. Remember last year, he at times was satisfied just to give him five decent innings. And often the pitch count would be up in the 90s, even approaching 100. Well, he's not there right now. He is able to go seven on 93 pitches. And I mean, really, there was only one kind of hiccup, I guess, in the third inning. I gave up a few hits in the sixth as well, the other run he allowed. But I was impressed with the efficiency, with the ability to use all of his pitches, almost equal distribution of his four pitches throughout the game. That was really good stuff from him. And you now are, you know, have a growing body of work to discuss with him. He's eight starts into the season. He's got a 296 ERA. He has given up two or fewer runs in six of his eight starts. And it's not like he's getting knocked out early. He's gone at least five in all of them. And like we said, in this case, went seven. All of these are really good signs for him as he kind of takes this next step and establishes himself as a frontline starter for them. And that's exactly what he is right now. He is a frontline starter in the big leagues doing it for the Washington Nationals. 
You can take your pick as to who has been the Nats' best starting pitcher so far this season, Josiah Gray or Mackenzie Gore. Gray has the lower ERA. Gore has the much higher strikeouts per nine innings, so depending on what you value. But the bottom line is each guy has been really good. Each guy has been so promising with the way that he has pitched. And, you know, with Gore, there was a bit of a mystery just because there wasn't much of a major league sample size with him. With Gray, you know, this really is something, and this is... I think a real credit to him and I would think a credit to the Nationals organization. Josiah Gray last season had an ERA of 502. He gave up a major league worst 38 home runs. He issued a National League worst 66 walks. Potential or not, Josiah Gray last season quantifiably was one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball. Like he just was. That's what the facts tell you. The fact that now he's got this ERA under three and yes, eight starts into the season. Let's see what happens. But he has really cut down on the home runs. I mean, he has allowed five home runs over the eight starts. He has allowed just two home runs since he gave up three homers in that first start. I think that is the aspect of this that like doubles the pleasure. Like there's the pleasure of, hey, Josiah Gray is pitching well, but there's also the pleasure of this is off him having not pitched well last season, having pitched poorly last season. Those two things in concert are great if you're a Nats fan. Yeah. And I think we talked about it a little earlier in the year, like, well, let's see, maybe when the weather warms up, it might be a bit more of a concern. But you know what? It's not like he's given a lot of fly balls to the warning track. I mean, he is keeping the ball on the ground. He's getting swings and misses. It's a different repertoire that he's throwing right now. The cutter has made a big difference for him. The sinker that he throws in addition to the four-seam fastball, all of this is allowing him to keep hitters off balance in a way that he couldn't do last year. He was very predictable at times last year. Hitters knew when to look for the fastball. They knew when to look for the breaking ball. He has made great strides in that department. The mechanics are better, of course. The maturity and the understanding of how to pitch has become a lot better. And I agree, it's a win for the organization. And it's a win for Josiah Gray, who is showing that he has the ability to make these adjustments, to recognize what needed work and how to actually get better at it. And so far, again, eight starts, about almost a quarter of the way through his season. But so far, the results have been fantastic. And it's fun to see a guy developing in front of our eyes like that. He came here with a lot of attention because of the trade, the circumstances that he arrived here. Last year, there were some moments along the way, but at the end of the season, you kind of thought, are we really sure what he is or not? Maybe he's not all that he was cracked up to be. Well, eight starts into this, he very much looks like he's all he was cracked up to be. And that is big for the organization, like you said, to take a pitcher who has promise and help him get even better. That's what we're seeing here right now. Gray did what he did on Wednesday with Riley Adams and not Kbert Ruiz as the battery mate. So there's some significance there. You know, Gray did not have uh, his binky, Kbert Ruiz, like did it with Riley Adams. And, you know, with Josiah Gray, and you always have to be careful with this kind of a thing because we don't know these guys personally. We don't know these guys behind closed doors. But, you know, just in listening to him talk and hearing him at press conferences and in sessions with reporters, he really does come off as like a mature, thoughtful person. Like he comes off with someone who has a brain in his head and is smart and is self-aware. And I think people like that tend to do better than people who do not have those qualities. Like, yes, talent matters a lot. But if you are mature and you're intelligent 
and you can sort of recognize your deficiencies and work on them. I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I'll always sort of bank on guys like that as opposed to someone who maybe has a little more talent, but, you know, is kind of a screwball, you know, or like doesn't like to acknowledge his flaws or, you know, it's never his fault, that kind of a thing. Gray seems like a good dude, a smart dude. And, you know, I would think that that is helping him along the way here. He's very serious about his craft. He really worked at it this winter. He knew what he needed to do and he went out and did it. He studies everything. He is very aware of things like spin rate and, you know, what percent of the time you're throwing this or that and what kind of success you have with this or that. He is a very smart pitcher. Sometimes you can worry a little bit and think, well, these guys start overthinking it. I think he's done a good job of not doing too much of that. He has a game plan going into a start, knows what he wants to do, but he's also good at then adjusting along the way. There was that point there in the third inning, they're up big and all of a sudden he gives up a run and then he walks back to back hitters. And you're thinking like, okay, this is not at all what you're looking for out of him in a game like this. And he figured it out. He settled down. He got fishing again, started throwing strikes, understood, pitched to the score. You have an eight run lead, go out there and just make them make outs. And he did that. And so, yeah, there's a lot to like about him. And then even beyond any of that, he's just a very interesting person who cares about things beyond the baseball world. He's just an intelligent guy who is interested in life and in current events and everything else. So there's potential there for him to really step up and make a name for himself in this sport. And part of it's going to be because of his pitching, but I think some of it's also going to be because of his just intellectual nature and interest in things beyond baseball. Yeah. And, you know, he's avoiding the big inning. You just referenced what happened on Wednesday, bottom of the third. Gray allowed a run on a leadoff double by Casey Schmidt to the left center field gap, did then issue the back-to-back two-out walks, but ended up only giving up the one run in that inning. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Lane Thomas... You have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat's Chat sponsor, Mason Kalfis, and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfis has recruiters in six states and has placed lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red-hot antitrust. IP litigation, white-collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare, for example. Mason has worked with DOJ, SEC, and all kinds of government lawyers to get law firm partnerships at some of the most prestigious firms in the country. He also regularly works with partners at law firms looking to upgrade their platforms or brands to firms to better fit those partners' practices. Or sometimes, okay, let's be honest, often, Mason Kalfas works with partners looking for more money as a fair reward for the business that the partners are bringing in. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years. In fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. He is Scott Boris-like when it comes to law firm partner contracts, and Mason Kalfas will negotiate you a new and better contract today. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Left side of the infield, shades the middle instead. The pitch, swing and a line drive toward the right field line. It is a fair ball. It will roll all the way to the corner to the foul pole of the 309 marker. Garrett to third being waved home. He's on his way in to score. And the throw toward third has Vargas caught in a rundown. And flip it to Davis onto the shortstop Schmidt who tags him out to end the inning when it looked like Vargas was heading for his second triple of the game. I think he made sure the run would score. You know, it's so funny, right? Josiah Gray earlier this season, every time he started, the Nats did not score runs. It was a bizarre scenario. Nobody really knew what to make of it. You know, probably was just one of these quirky things. Well, the Nats aren't having problems scoring runs these days when Josiah Gray pitches. And the Nats on Wednesday were just terrific offensively. 11 runs, 12 hits, which were comprised of two home runs, a triple, two doubles, and seven singles. Yes, Our Nationals, our no extra base hitting Nationals had five extra base hits in this game on Wednesday. Also, the Nats worked five walks. Also, the Nats went five for nine with runners in scoring position. And the Nats did all of this despite multiple regulars not playing. C.J. Abrams off his bad game late night on Tuesday night did not start on Wednesday. K-Bet Ruiz did not start on Wednesday. Victor Robles is on the 10-day injured list due to back spasms. And how about the production from the three players who were in the Nats lineup due to Abrams, Ruiz, and Robles being out? Talking about Ildemaro Vargas, Riley Adams, and Stone Garrett. Vargas in this game, three for five with a two-run triple, an RBI double, and a single. Adams in this game, one for four with a three-run home run. And Stone Garrett in this game, and, you know, I would consider him the guy in there for Robles because Alex Call has been shifted from left to center to play center for Robles. Stone Garrett as a starting left fielder, two for four, two-run single, another single, and a walk. The seven, eight, and nine batters in a lot of ways leading the way for the Nats offensively on Wednesday. And I feel like this was a theme throughout the road trip. Their best games were the ones where the bottom of the lineup was delivering for them. Now, sometimes that was Abrams and Robles. They weren't in there in this one. But, you know, Riley Adams, this is only his sixth start 
of the season in 37 games. That's a tough spot for anyone to be in. And look, they're not counting on big offensive numbers from him. They want him to call a good game. They would love for him to come through, you know, with one hit and a big moment within a game. Well, that was a titanic three-run homer that set the tone for the entire afternoon from him. That was really, really nice to see from a guy who has not had a lot of opportunities, but tries to stay sharp throughout it. Ildemaro Vargas to do what he did, single, double, and triple, and three RBI. And he hit another ball to the warning track that off the bat looked like it might actually go out. I mean, he was actually that close to hitting for the cycle. Ildemaro Vargas, yes, doing that. That, of course, is great to see. And Stone Garrett, he's hitting lefties right now. He needs to be in there against left-handed pitching. He came into the day batting 375 against lefties. He goes two for two in this one off of Manaya. So he is now eight for 18 against lefties this season. Now, against righties has not been the same story. OPS is in the 500s against them. But right now, to me, if you're facing a lefty, Stone Garrett needs to be in the lineup somewhere. He is proving that he can do that. And that's a nice thing for them because with the injuries, they need some production from somebody else. And that's been a welcome addition. Yeah, Stone Garrett in that Nats full run third on Wednesday, a two-out, bases-loaded, two-run, opposite field single to right field for a 6 nothing Nats lead. You know, with Riley Adams, I mean, we did see this two years ago, him hitting well down the stretch of that 2021 season, didn't hit well at all last season. But I remember we were talking about Riley Adams and saying, well, maybe the Nats, you don't need to have him work more at first base, get him more plate appearances via playing him at first base. You know, that conversation has kind of dissipated. But Adams in recent playing time has done well. And Vargas, I mean, <laughs> all he does, it feels like, is when he plays, contributes. And you know, he's a veteran and, you know, we know the deal, like he's probably not going to be with the Nats, you know, beyond this season at most what next season, but he is productive and him playing for CJ Abrams. I mean, you know, when's the last time Abrams did this three for five with a two run triple an RBI double and a single. And by the way, the RBI double, he tried to make into a triple Vargas in what was a Nats one run ninth a two-out RBI double toward the right field corner to put the Nats up 11-4, ended up being tagged out between second base and third base in his attempt to stretch the double into a triple. With C.J. Abrams, were you surprised that he got uh, the day off on Wednesday? Well, a little bit. You know, of course, you're going to ask the question of the manager when it comes after such a shaky game like he had Tuesday night, both at the plate and in the field. Was this planned or was this a reflection of what happened the night before? Davey said that it was planned all along. They were facing the lefty. Just looking at the schedule, looking at um, it gives us an opportunity to give him two days off. He's really been playing well, you know. So for me, this is just an opportunity to get him off his feet, you know. As I always say, you know, if we need him, you know, for today's game, he's definitely going to be in there. But um, he gets, you know, half of today or all today and then tomorrow and then he'll be fresh to go on Friday. That all, you know, checks out. That all makes sense in some respect. The problem is he got a day off also in Arizona over the weekend. So that's two out of six, which you're not normally expecting from a young cornerstone shortstop. And Davey has talked so much about how much those guys need to play every day. That's the whole reason Jeter Downs never got in there because he couldn't afford to sit Abrams or Garcia. So only Davey Martinez truly knows if this was planned all along. It looked a little conspicuous, but uh, it's not the end of the world. You're facing the lefty. You had a tough game. It's a quick turnaround to the day game. You know, I'm not going to fault him for doing that. I think there is some logic behind it. And here's the thing with Vargas. Is he a part of the future? No, of course not. But you know what? For the role that he's in, as long as he's not blocking any future pieces from getting significant playing time, 
that's fine. Give him a start or two a week. We've seen he does provide energy. He makes things happen at times for them. I think he's better at third base than at shortstop. A little bit of a shaky game at shortstop at times, but that's fine. You know, you're not detracting from anything else for him to play every once in a while. And I think you do need guys like that on a team like this. And sometimes when it is a quick turnaround to a 12-45 game, it's at the end of a long road trip, you need an energy guy out there. That's definitely what Ilamaro Vargas is. So it's funny to think back to last year. The Nationals uh, made a certain trade with the San Diego Padres. You may remember it. The trade involved Juan Soto and Josh Bell. The only other guy, though, who the Nats traded coming up to the trade deadline last year was a utility man, A. Ray Adrianza. And it was the trading away of Adrianza that prompted the Nats to select the contract of Vargas from AAA Rochester. It's odd, right? Adrianza ended up being a trade ship for the Nats last season. Do you think Vargas could end up being that? Somebody like this who can play multiple positions, who's hitting, that maybe you're able to parlay him into something? You know, I hadn't thought about that one. I should always know that you're on top of any trade chips that may be available. Uh, sure, maybe, potentially. I, let's see how he does over a longer period of time. But we know he's excellent defensively at multiple positions. He's shown he can actually play the outfield as well. And if he hits at all with any consistency, that could be something to be said for that. Now, Remember, in the case of Adrianza, the Braves had had him in the past, so they already knew him as kind of a known quantity. Vargas has bounced around, but I don't think any of the teams that he played for are going to be in a position where they desperately need that. So maybe the familiarity is what helped in Adrianza's case. But sure, let's drum up an Ildemaro Vargas trade market. Why not? Each of the last two summers, Mike Rizzo has pulled off a surprising trade of a veteran. John Lester in 2021, A. Ray Adrianza in 2022. Who is the mystery meat for 2023? Someone will be dealt who we had no idea was cooking up a market for himself. So maybe that guy is uh, Eldemar Vargas. Who the heck knows? Well, I mentioned that the Nats hit two home runs in this game on Wednesday. Riley Adams hit one. Lane Thomas hit another. The Lane train is on quite a roll in this month of May. So Lane Thomas had not homered at all in this uh, regular season. He now has hit four home runs in 10 games in this month of May. Lane Thomas on Wednesday, two for five, solo homer and a single. He Nationals, one run, six inning, a one out solo shot to left field for a 10-1 Nats lead. And another Nat who's having a good May, at least in terms of batting average and on-base percentage, Dominic Smith. He on Wednesday in this win for the Nats at the Giants. One for four with an RBI single and a walk. He in the four-run second had a one-out opposite field RBI single to put the Nats up one nothing. Joey Manessis on Wednesday, two for four, RBI single, another single and a walk. Every Nat starter got on base at least once. I mean, you had contributions up and down the lineup on Wednesday. If you're going to play the way that they're trying to play, you need that. You can't have any black holes, really. You can't have two or three hitters in a row not contributing. So the fact that the guys at the bottom of the lineup are doing things for them, I think, is big. Dom Smith quietly is starting to become productive here. It's still mostly singles, not hitting for a lot of power, but he's hitting well over 300 over a sustained stretch here now for a while. And the feeling is that now that he is hitting the ball with a little more authority, that that's the first step, and then maybe the power could come from that. They're not counting on him being a huge power hitter. We've talked about it. He's never really been a home run hitter, but if they can just get a little bit out of him, that would make a big difference. And, you know, Lane Thomas, we saw last year, when he gets hot, he can get really hot for a while. The key for him was maintaining a level of consistency. So I'll be interested to see how he is able to sustain this, if he is able to sustain it. It's interesting in that he's now suddenly back in the leadoff spot every day, and Alex Call was actually hitting fifth 
in this game. An unusual spot for him. You would think that given the style of hitting that those two would be flip-flop. Call better at getting on base. Thomas better at driving in runs. But we also know Davey Martinez likes a guy at the top of his order who can hit the ball out and give you a quick lead. I'm not saying Lane Thomas is Kyle Schwarber, but he does have some of that in him. And at least on this road trip, it's a pretty good production from him out of the number one spot. Yeah. Well, Thomas does have a higher on base percentage than Cole has. The other interesting thing with the lineup on Wednesday, and look, this is not a day on which we should be complaining about the lineup with how well the Nats did offensively, but <laughs> Jamer Condelario in the cleanup spot. I mean, you could argue Condelario has been the worst of the everyday players for the Nats this season, and Condelario was in that number four spot. Now, I get it. You were playing a bunch of guys who you don't normally play, but I thought that that was curious, although it was good to see Jamer have a double. He had not been doing well in this series. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Some amazing news from Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation, all while capitalizing on Window Nation's best deal of the year. 0% financing for five years. Unheard of. Zero interest for five years. And Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Protect and increase the value of your home today by taking advantage of this great offer. Again, 0% financing for five years and two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And by the way, that goes for any style of window from Window Nation. And there's no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and save money on energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Two out, bottom of the ninth inning. Giants have scored two in each of the last two innings with a pair of two-run homers and a swing and a ground ball to short. In between out, Vargas has it. A looping throw is short, but dug out by Dominic Smith. And the game is over, and a curly W's in the books. Well, if there was a negative for the Nats in this 11-6 win at the Giants on Wednesday, it was the bullpen. You know, and the bullpen was basically just, you know, pitching out the final two innings of a blowout win. The final score really is not indicative of the nature of this game. Two Nats relievers combined to give up four runs over the final two innings. Thaddeus Ward, bottom of the eighth, allowed two runs on a leadoff walk at J.D. Davis and a two-run homer by Michael Conforto to right field to cut the Nats' lead to 10-4. And Erasmo Ramirez, bottom of the ninth, allowed two runs on a leadoff opposite field single by Casey Schmidt to right field. And a one-out, two-run home run by the Maryland product, Lamont Wade Jr., on a bomb to center field to cut the Nats' lead to 11-6. It's baseball, I guess. This was a game in which if Davey had to use his bullpen aggressively, he could have because you haven't been using some of your A bullpen guys lately and you have the off day on Thursday. This ended up being a game in which a starting pitcher pitched seven innings. But, you know, we did see another instance of why Davey isn't in love with the B team of the bullpen. Ward and Erasmo having some problems in this game. Yeah. And look, if you give up hits, that's all right. But the frustrating thing there, Thad Ward comes in and immediately walks the first hitter before giving up the two-run homer. And remember, his last outing in Arizona was the four walks in one inning. Another one in a situation where they're just trying to get some length and avoid having to use some of the other guys. So that's not great. 
there is some promise there with him. They're not going to give up on him at this point. They've committed to him as their Rule 5 pick, but they need to see some more consistency there, and particularly in throwing strikes, to make you think that he is going to be a part of this throughout the whole season. Rosmo Ramirez, it has not been a great start to his season, as we know. At least that one, he's giving up hits. He's not walking batters, but same thing. You're ahead late in the game. Go get the last three outs. Finish this thing off. That was a little bit disappointing. But, you know, it's nitpicking. It's the end of a blowout game. They were comfortably ahead. It's not the end of the world. And I do think it was a nice thing for them that they avoided using Kyle Finnegan and Hunter Harvey, I think, in the entire series. They won a series without having to use either of those guys, which means they should be plenty fresh for the Mets series, the big Mets series coming up this weekend in which the Nats could try to escape last place in the NL East. Yeah, the relievers who the Nats used in this series, Carl Edwards Jr., Andres Machado, Mason Thompson, Hobie Harris, Thaddeus Ward, and Erasmo Ramirez. Not exactly the A guys, with the exceptions, I guess, of Thompson and Edwards, if you want to you know, qualify those two guys as A guys, although you know, Thompson lately has not been pitching as an A guy. So the Nats are doing well. It's nice to see. Long way to go, as we all know. I was thinking about this. So, you know, you think about like the timeline of the rebuild. I think it's hard to see the rebuild coming to fruition before some of these stud position playing prospects in the minors come up to the majors, right? And we may still be a year or two away from seeing the Brady Houses and James Woods and Robert Hassel III's and Elijah Greens from playing in the majors. That said, do you think this team doing well this season, and I put well in quotation marks, you know, however you define well for a rebuilding team, do you think that that can expedite the timeline for the rebuild? Or do you think that the rebuild really still is dependent on these prospects in the minors and, you know, on who the Nats end up taking with the number two overall pick in this year's draft? Well, I think it's a good question. I look at this a couple of ways. I don't think that it necessarily speeds the organization's timeline up that much. They're not going to rush any of those guys through the minors. They're starting to hit. That's great. But we know this is still not a very productive lineup, the bigger picture. They are going to need some help from down in the farm system. And you can't force that. It's going to be a year, maybe two years in some of those cases before we see any of them. However, the pitching that they're getting does seem to be legit. And those are the guys who can be the future. And If you get good pitching, it makes up for so much else. You can be a competitive team without a great lineup, but if you have the pitching and the defense, that will give you a chance to win almost every night, and we're seeing that right now. And I thought about this watching this game. If they had just one really big bat in the middle of this lineup right now, a Juan Soto or a Josh Bell in peak form in the middle of this lineup, this might be a very different story right now. Now, they don't have that, obviously, and they wouldn't be in the better position long-term in the rebuild if they still had those guys. So let's acknowledge that. I'm not saying it was a mistake to trade them. But in some ways, it feels like they're not that far off from being competitive. If this pitching is legit, the defense is legit, and some of those other position players are legit. So to me, the real question about this is, if you get to the end of the season and the Gore and Gray, uh, and maybe even Jake Irvin look like they're legit, and you know Cade Cavalli is coming, and maybe there's a stud pitcher that they're getting in the first round of the draft like we talked about the other day, and you've got a handful of young position players, and then you've got this next wave that's not quite ready yet, but is coming close. Is there a chance they go spend some money this winter on a bat or two, some guys who could actually make a difference, not just on a one-year deal, 
but on a multi-year deal? That to me is the great unknown question. It's tied into the ownership question. We really don't know how that's going to play out. I'm not sure if Mike Rizzo knows how that's going to play out. But my guess would be that he could view this winter in those terms and say, we're not going to rush anybody else. We're not going to really adjust our timeline for contention, but we think we have the pieces for the most part in place here. Now we need to supplement that with some established players and free agents. Would he go out and do that? Would they let him go out and do that? I think that's going to be the big question. Yeah, I think the latter would really be the thing. Would Mike Rizzo be allowed to do something like that? And, you know, it would be tricky because you have the three stud outfield prospects. You have Brady House, who's playing third. You have C.J. Abrams at short. You have Luis Garcia at second. You have K.B. Ruiz at catcher. So you're only really looking at first base in terms of if you're going to commit mega money over three, four, five, six years, maybe even longer to a stud hitter. What position are you looking at? Like just a first baseman, you know? Although with the way the first base market is now, maybe that actually doesn't cost you a ton because first basemen aren't getting paid like they used to because they're not very valuable defensively. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that we can talk like this and you know not get laughed out of the room is progress from where this team was. So it's nice to see that. And uh, it does start with Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore. The way they are pitching really is changing the conversation about where the Nats are right now and how they're doing so far this season. Well, we will be back with you over the weekend talking about the big four-game set with the New York Mets. Our Sunday show, our show for Mother's Day, will be sponsored by capeivy.org. That's capeivy.org. So we look forward to that. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, the momentum is building with the success of the Nationals. Hit up Tim Shover, see what we can do for you. That email address again, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We have a new website, NatsChatPodcast.com. You can check out previous installments of the show. You can order yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. That is again at NatsChatPodcast.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat podcast. So here is Peterson. Two on, two outs, 10 to 2 the score of the pitch. Popped him up into left. Garrett breaking back, now racing in. He'll get there and make the catch. So one pitch after the mound visit. Gray is able to finish off seven innings here in San Francisco. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.